Welcome to Served Neat, hosted by your girl, Jen Hartman. I'm the CEO of Neat, a boutique PR and marketing agency based out of Louisville, Kentucky. I launched Neat in 2019 with just $3,000 in my bank account. Since then, I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of emerging brands and Fortune 500 empires. I believe that marketing and PR should be served neat, just like your favorite bourbon. On this podcast, you'll hear about the latest and greatest growth strategies, the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, and so much more. Pour yourself a glass of your favorite bourbon because it's time to dive in to this week's episode. Barbara is the founder of Curls Monthly, a subscription service geared towards curly-haired women who want to test new hair care products before committing to full-size bottles. Barbara has leveraged her popularity on TikTok to grow the company to 1.2 million doll hairs in 2023. Barbara's curl advice has been featured in outlets such as Refinery29, InStyle, and y'all, she even made the 2024 Forbes 30 under 30 list. Barbara, I've known you since the early days, way back when, when you were just starting to do curl coaching years uh-huh. before curl monthly was even a thing and can I just say it's been so much fun watching your journey over the last few years you're a huge inspiration and I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast oh so happy to be here but ditto honestly like I love watching what you're doing because I just feel like we're like from a similar area of the world same age group and honestly out here doing it doing the dang thing yeah well, I know you started in the entrepreneur space a couple of years ago, but where do you like to start your entrepreneurial journey? I guess a great place to start is always the quit from corporate, as I know that so many of us are familiar with. But basically after high school, I didn't go to college. I moved right to LA. I was actually there doing like acting stuff. So I was really trying to do the acting thing and we got some stuff here and there, but I just sort of fell out in love with it, moved back home after five years of living in LA and long story short, started working for my dad's company. My dad, bless his heart. There was a lot of things within his company that right when I got there, which I was really just hired to like file paperwork. But when I got there, there were just so many holes in the company. And I was like always sort of a go-getter person. So I saw all these holes and I was like, dad, there's all these things. And he was just a busy entrepreneur. He was an inventor, not a business leader. You know what I mean? So I really like was able to over about three or four years sort of move up the ranks at his company and really just like worked my little butt off and really fell in love with business during that time. And I sort of learned, I always say that was my business school because like I just sort of learned and was throat of the dogs and in like the super male industry, it was like the gasoline industry, which was super male heavy and like lots of money involved. So I was just sort of this little blonde girl with no college education. Honestly, acting came in handy because fake it till you make it, just smile and wave. But yeah, that ended honestly really poorly. I would never recommend anyone working for a family business. <laughs> it's just a lot of emotions involved, but I doubled the size of the company and both employees and revenue, all this stuff and experienced a lot of misogyny and a lot of people thinking that I was just privileged little brat because it was daddy's business, which wasn't going on at all. So I just experienced a lot of hate and it all led up sort of to one night where I was just on the floor in my living room, bawling my eyes out, folding laundry. And my husband or boyfriend at the time was just like, Barbara, just quit. And I was like, wait, I guess that's an option. I never really thought about that option. So I quit the next day. I didn't give any notice. I just like had 
had to leave the toxic environment. The day that I quit, I was crying my eyes out because again, I have no degree, nothing working towards me. I'm like, what am I going to do in life? And I was washing my hair in the shower. And that's when I thought of starting a curl business. So I literally got out of the shower, wiped away my tears. This is at like 10 30 PM boyfriend's asleep, went in my bed and literally just made the Instagram for my new business and just literally started it and never looked back. <laughs> it happened that quickly. Literally that day. Yeah. The idea just came and I was just, all right, we're doing this. Okay. That's amazing. That is so cool. I didn't know that. I thought for some reason you had been like planning and plotting for like months and months and months. And then one day you decided to do it, but no, like you literally quit your job and then you thought of this business and then you did the dang thing. Like there was no hesitation, which I absolutely love in your story. So at what point with curl coaching specifically, did you figure out like, oh, I have something here. Product market fit. It is happening. It is occurring. What was that moment? Yeah. Well, first of all, I really wanted a curl coach four years prior to like that incident where I was needing a job, crying, da, 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 quit. I kind of had figured out I was doing straightening, keratin treatments, treating my hair horribly, yada, yada. And I got to this point with my hair where I was so fed up. I read that the things I was just doing to it could cause cancer. And that led me into this whole big curl journey. So I, at the time, was just starting this corporate job with my dad. Things were getting really busy. And I was like, I don't have time to like sit here and learn this skill set at the time didn't care about. And so I actually started Googling curly hair coaching and nothing ever came up. So product market fit kind of started there in terms of, well, I knew I was actively looking for it and Googling it. And then once I started my business, my husband now who works in sports marketing, he had gotten TikTok at the time. It was like the TikTok early days. And he was like, you have to get on TikTok. And I was like, there's literally no way I'm getting on that stupid app. Begrudgingly eventually downloaded it. And then six TikTok I posted just went mega viral. And at the time when you went viral on TikTok, you just got a following overnight. So I did. I literally overnight woke up with 60,000 followers and I had Lincoln bio to my freebie and all of this. And overnight we got thousands and tens of thousands of people signing up for my freebie. And then literally one day, kind of around that time, we had just about 1000 curl coaching applications. So yes, that is when I was like, okay, like people want this. Got it. That is wild. Also just like the power of TikTok. How incredible. The, yes. hundred percent. It's very different now, but still can be really powerful if used correctly. Okay. So let's move in and talk about this journey that you're on and talk about curls monthly. So at what point did the idea of curls monthly come to you? I guess I thought of curls monthly actually the day I thought of the curl coaching program. And like, I thought that curls monthly would be really cool. I didn't call it curls monthly. I just wanted to do a curl subscription service, but I actually was working with a business coach. Well, it was sort of just like a money mindset coach that I was working previous, even before I became an entrepreneur. And so I had already been working with her and I kind of told her my idea. She was like, you should start coaching as you're developing it and like get your following up and then launch it, which was honestly million dollar advice, literally, because. I really was able to self-fund all of this because of curl coaching. But yeah, basically I kind of forgot about the subscription box for a little bit. I curl coached for like a year and a half. And honestly, at the end of the year and a half, I worked myself to the bone. One-to-one -one coaching all day, every day, weekends. I was just taking anybody who would give me money, which great for me, but also 
really horrible for my mental health, which I know you understand. And also it's so funny. I you were like a big person who used to at the time talk a lot about coaching was feeling very MLM-y in some instances. I'm sure you've made a podcast on it. I feel like I listened to it. And like, I was feeling that way too. Like I was just feeling like, oh, like I didn't like to call myself a coach. And like, there are some really great coaches out there, but I was just feeling like it just was not aligning, you know? Uh, and I was like, oh, like, what is this? So I didn't know what to do. It was like definitely a moment in business where I got kind of got into a depression. I like was showing up, but like, I wasn't really like showing up and I was miserable, burnt out, overwhelmed. And then I had a team of two full-time employees at the time. And I literally was, all right, we are going to stop any efforts towards curl coaching. And in two months, we're going to create curls monthly, which we named that day. We're going to create curls monthly and launch it. So we just literally took a gamble. I always say like we're playing blackjack. Hopefully we win and threw the dice and launched curls monthly two months later. Y'all are wild over there, but that's incredible. No, literally, I think honestly, my best and my worst trait is that I live in ignorance. And so that just makes me do these crazy things without doing absolutely any research. Because if I actually knew how hard it was and like what it took, I don't think I would have ever done. And honestly, same with curl coaching and starting a business. So I just worst trait and best trait of me is I do no research. Heard these things. I'm just like, "Mm, well, hope it works. And then no, I think that's great though, because like you can research and plan to death and basically get to the point where you convince yourself it's not a good idea. So I think having a little bit of ignorance, I guess, going into business is actually a really good thing. So I love that you shared that. So I'm all about transparency. You know, I'm a numbers girly. I love to talk about numbers. How much money did it take you to go from idea for Curls Monthly to launching in those two months? How much did you spend? What were you spending money on? What did that look like? Yeah, really not too much. So the way that we positioned Curls Monthly and still do to this day, it honestly went back to the days I was working the gasoline world. We were doing advertising basically. So I was kind of taking what I learned there of knowing that all these big brands they have such heavy marketing budgets. So I actually leveraged, we leveraged my audience to basically have brands give us the product for trade. So we don't pay for the products inside of Curls Monthly, which is great in terms of overhead and things like that. So honestly, there's been a lot more expenses since then, but okay, big expense was the mailer bags, which we got off of Alibaba from a manufacturer in China. We got preliminary branding at that time, which ended up hated it and was like $600 and we should have just paid the $1,300 that we ended up paying seven months later anyway, but don't be cheap on branding. It really is everything. And it really does make or break a brand as I'm sure neat marketing can definitely tell you. Yeah. So we did a photo shoot and like an initial photo shoot, just make a website, got a printer that printed labels. And that was honestly like basically it in the beginning. Wait, so did you guys create your website on your own? The same person who did our $600 branding created our $600 website. I'm telling you, it was really embarrassing and really bad to the point that like we have employees who work here now. I didn't realize it was that bad, but we have employees who work here now who was like, yeah, like when I applied for like a job here, I was kind of nervous that this was a scam. But hey, we live and we learn. Don't be cheap on branding. I love that lesson. Are there any other lessons you want to share from the past couple of years, anything where you were like, oh my gosh, I wasted my money here and here's why it felt like a waste, or this is a key hire we made. Here's why they were a key hire. Like any lessons for somebody who is kind of going through the process now? Definitely as much as possible, hire 
full-time W-2 employees. I think that's something you talk a lot about too. And that's just something that really makes such a difference. There is definitely times that a contractor makes sense. Like you're not going to hire a full-time web developer unless you get to a certain spot. But for the most part, when it comes to assistance and people like really running the business in the everyday, ain't nobody going to care about your business unless the ability to lose their job over not doing their job correctly. But definitely that. And then at this point, just because I've been burnt out so many times, I really value my off time at this point. And I've hired people now, a full-time team members that I can have that happen. I'm not ridiculously stressed out CEO 24-7. I sign off at night. I don't really work on the weekends. And that just really helps that creative flow. And then just in general, just with content creation too, because like so much of my job is content creation. I have also really learned the hard way. If you are not in the mood to create content, just don't even bother because it's going to suck. You're not going to put your best foot forward. So I've definitely learned that the hard way of posting things I wasn't happy about, or I was like miserable doing it. So you just, you got to find your flow states. You got to find during the day. Okay. What do I feel like doing right now? As much as you can. And sometimes there's deadlines, but as much as you can, just don't force yourself to do certain tasks. If you're not in the mood to do cat tasks, because they'll never end up being the way that you want it to be. Yeah. That's great advice. Okay. So you touched on content and that makes me think of TikTok. Let's kind of dive in here because you have had so much success from that platform. And I would just love to hear some tips that have worked for you. Like what videos have done really well? Why did they do well? What videos have flopped? Why do you think they flopped? Give us the TikTok tea. I was just talking to my team about this earlier. I am a self-appointed, no one's ever called me this, but I'm calling myself this, a self-appointed expert on positioning brands on TikTok. I really am because within Curls Monthly, not only am I positioning Curls Monthly, but also myself as an influencer, but then also brands inside of Curls Monthly, I want them to come back to us. So I try to position them in the best way possible. So I am constantly learning and perfecting six to seven brands a month. I'm having to make these quote unquote ads. So when it comes to the brand side, of things, putting your brand in awareness to people. Nobody cares about the fact that you are a certified trichologist and know all these fancy ingredients. They literally will not sell the product. What will sell the product is honestly talking to them. This sounds mean, but it's true. Like talking to them like kindergartners. This helps your hair. This is what your hair looks like. This is what now your hair looks like. Buy it. And I see this all the time. Like I'll have the brands we work with. They'll be like, wait, your videos did so well. Like when we post this, our videos do horribly, they flop. And then I watch their videos and there's so much focusing on the product. You have to get on the level of the person watching it. So I always think about what stops my scroll. I'm like super specific. I just did a series on TikTok about videos I hate because we're busy people. If it stops my scroll, me being the most honestly persnickety consumer in beauty and being on TikTok, like if it stops my scroll, it's going to stop anybody's scroll really. So just taking it from that angle, what would stop my scroll? How can I get on that level? And when I think of positioning myself as like hair influencer and with like hair brands, I think about sort of like a similar industry, but not the same. So for example, like I'll think of skincare. I would love at any given point, my skin to be better. 
who wouldn't, but I don't really know too much about skincare. So when I think, and I make content for curls and things like that, I think about in the terms of, okay, when I look for skincare advice on TikTok, what do I type in? Okay. How can I twist that and put curls on it? How can I twist that and put hair on it? When, when I type in skincare and like a million videos come up, I don't have any idea what they mean. Okay. So that means that there needs to be better skincare for beginners videos, just things like that. And like putting yourself in that position and on that level, and then just not thinking that you are taking a lot of pride out of it really helps knowing that most people are not seeing your videos and it's 100% okay to repurpose you sing clips, different audios, things like that. Nobody's seeing a third of your Instagram following sees your content on any given day. So feel free to reuse. Don't overcomplicate it. I like that advice. And it's all about repetition. I think people need yeah. to see the same message anywhere from, I don't know, eight to 12 times before it finally starts to click. So yeah, you can definitely reuse and recycle your content on any platform. But specifically when you talked about TikTok, the one thing that stood out to me through all of this was speaking to consumers on their level. You can't speak over over people's heads because you're just going to lose your consumers. So you're right, quote unquote, dumbing it down. I don't like to use that term, but everyone knows what that means, right? Bringing it down to something an eighth grader would understand is so important when it comes to TikTok. I mean, really any platform. And we do the same thing with our pitches. We write a pitch based on an eighth grader. Like what would an eighth grader understand? And that's kind of the I love point that. of view. Yeah, it's the point of view you have to you have to approach it from. So that was really great advice. Okay, so you have to tell me, what was your best performing TikTok ever? Ooh, I've had quite a few. I would say there's one on TikTok that maybe has 25 million and it's a green screen and there's hair behind me. And I'm like, okay, if your hair looks like this, it could look like this. If your hair looks like this, it could look like this. If your hair looks like this, it could look like this. And then at the end, I say like a little blurb, one line. The video in whole is maybe 17 seconds long. It was snappy, but that video and then just videos like that, that are lots of wow moments tend to do really well. Like what? That could be me. So just like things that just get the comments stirring usually. Yeah. Okay. So one more question regarding TikTok. What are you predicting for TikTok this year? Like what's going to be cool? What's going to be popular? Okay. Unpopular opinion. <laughs> I actually think that TikTok might go through a big dip this year. I watched a lot of obviously content creator TikTok and like a lot of people are feeling this way. A lot of TikTok experts, they are sort of making a lot of mistakes that Instagram and Vine have made. They're not paying their creators unless their videos are over a minute. And of course the money that you do get is very much like nickels and dimes, but basically they're like a short form content platform that is now trying to do long form content. So now you can do 30 minute videos 10 minute videos and doing TikTok shop and people hate TikTok shop, the general consensus. So they're trying to do sort of everything. And when you don't pay creators well, like we learned from Vine, creators won't create. When you push long form content on a short form platform, you're not going to get retention. And then the shop thing, Instagram launched that a few years ago and it plummeted a lot of their integrity. So I actually think that they are going to sort of lose people before they gain people again. I think it's super oversaturated. I think that as a consumer, and this is just my opinion, I used to be addicted to scrolling on TikTok and it doesn't addict me anymore. Honestly, reels, I can scroll on reels for hours and hours and still want more. 
So I think that they might go through a little dip. Definitely long form content is what they're really pushing. Every time as a creator, I sign on, please post videos over a minute. Please post videos over a minute. They really want those 10 minute videos, but I don't want to watch that. I'm not sitting around watching your 10 minute video. And if I do like 2xing the speed, otherwise I would go to YouTube. So yeah, that's my opinion. It's a little bit controversial, but. Yeah, because you're the TikTok queen. So I'm a little surprised by your response, but I have to agree with you. And I will also say too, my for you page it's almost all product like people just pushing product and like ads and then there's an influencer pushing product and like I know they're not using the product outside of the video so it's just become too salesy for me at this point yes. and it's not as entertaining as it used to be so that's the problem I have with the platform at the moment but who knows maybe things will shift in the future okay let's wrap this up I want to be cautious of time what's coming up for curls monthly give us the tea what's happening in 2024 Oh, so right at the end of 2023, two weeks before Christmas, we just started to do our first ever paid ads. So everything before that has been organic, which is great, but also been putting a lot of pressure on me. So we're working with a really great agency and already our weekly revenue has been tripling. So I'm really excited. You know, obviously it comes at a cost of ads, but I think just reaching those new people, reaching far and wide is really exciting. A month or two ago, launched our yearly subscription. So that's a really nice, great way to obviously, you know, if we're talking like money and subscriber retention, keeping them on. But yeah, our goal is really just growth or like I'm looking to hire a COO to take away even more of these responsibilities from me and a few other hires on the horizon. But that's sort of the deal. We're really just looking to grow. Like last year was a lot about sustainability, building the brand. And this year we're just let's grow. We're here. Let's multiply. I love it. Moving and grooving. Where can people stalk you and buy the product? Yeah. So Curls Monthly, the curly hair subscription service, you can get at curlsmonthly.com or at curlsmonthly. And then you can follow me at it's Barbie Dell on TikTok and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much, Barbara. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Served Neat. I hope you enjoyed listening and found some tasty nuggets of marketing wisdom to help you take your brand to the next level. Remember, just like a perfectly crafted cocktail, marketing is all about finding the right balance and serving it up with a splash of creativity. So keep building, keep refining, and keep serving up your brand with style. And if you're thirsty for more insights, follow us on Instagram at Nate underscore the agency for even more marketing tips and tricks. Be sure to subscribe and join us for our next episode of Served Nate. Until then, cheers.